We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Let me tell you, um, there's a little bit of sunshine behind me, but we'll get to that in a moment because there might be a lot of sunshine behind you. There is definitely a lot of sunshine behind me. Mountains and oceans. Well, I'm sorry. You said oceans. So let's stay with the oceans. Um, Not paddle boats, but they got like a lot of canoes, something like that, right? Well, they got big boats and little boats and fishing boats and kayaks. Let me tell you guys, um, letting you in on a little secret. Jay and I are, are planning some of our fun episodes for the year. And one of our fun episodes um, that we have that we're going to explore is grabbing a group of folks who no longer live in the U.S. and capturing what that experience is like for each and every one of them. Because as you can see, Julie's happy. Like she's smiling right now. I don't think, are you planning on like, becoming an expat or you just want to be a dual citizen oh yeah okay well, i want to be a dual citizen we'll we'll both. have yeah. both yes yeah. yes it's an exciting time for you though um this is really really fun and and it i gotta is. tell you when you first said it to me it's not that i didn't believe you because i did i just didn't i didn't know how fast it was going to go like you were well you two are not playing around no, I mean we've been uh, we've been looking at doing this since 2019, and then pandemic hurt, hit, you know, 2020, and that kind of just both set us on the like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And as soon as we found a place, like the it was biggest time. thing for you, like, and when I say the biggest thing, the biggest surprise, um, the biggest happy moment. What what's been that thing for you that really surprised? You? Um, I think it's just the like the community here, everyone is friendly and kind and there's just a a way of supporting each other. Even, you know, lots of different nationalities, lots of expats here, lots of native Portuguese. It's just really refreshing. Would this be your first time living outside of the country? Yeah. 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 So be actually pretty much my first time living outside uh, okay, of Indiana. Okay. Okay. Now that's a whole nother thing too. <laughs> yeah. And, and see, and you know, so here's a little, a, a funny little thing, you know, people would say, well, Torin, you know, you, you didn't, you didn't go to college. So how is it that you, you know, you communicate with, you know, these leaders, you sit in the room with the highest of highest or none of those things really bother you. And I said, it, Everything hinged on my decision to travel abroad. And when I traveled abroad, you know, at 18, young age, I'm seeing what other cultures are experiencing, what other people have to endure. I remember, Julie, when I um, joined the military, I think our pay, don't get me wrong, but I think our pay was like 
530 maybe $600 every two weeks. I think it was, maybe it was a month. I can't even remember now, but it was, the money was really nothing. And yet we were living like Kings when we were in the Philippines. And so I just felt like, always felt like if I could navigate and move inside of those rooms and connect with every single person that, that life would be a little bit better for me. And, and it has been a formula that has served me well. And to hear you say community, that's a a beautiful thing. It is, it is. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, the very, you know, one critical piece of raising our children was making sure that they had a European experience. Um, and as you know, our oldest is is now living in Budapest and, and we took the kids to Europe for uh, a few weeks. I think just as, well, you and I were doing the podcast, hadn't been doing it for very long. And it just, it, it changes the way that you view the world. Um, so that, why that a European experience? Um, well, I guess that's probably where I just default to. Um, but I wanted them to see something that was so much older than what we could see, at least in the United States. I wouldn't care if it was Asia or Africa, or, but I, I guess I default to Europe because that's where yeah, I wanted I to get you. to. I got you. Awesome. I appreciate that. Well, I, the journey is only beginning. I, I know you all are, you know, at the the forefront of, of this very long and lifelong journey, but uh, it's exciting. And we'll get to a little more stuff that's exciting a bit later in the show, uh, because right now we got to talk about managing a polarized workforce. What a surprise. Like, I mean, can you imagine that some people are still in polarized workforces, people struggling to have honest conversations, people struggling with this whole diversity and inclusion thing, because they just don't want to say the wrong thing. And actually, you know what, Jay, let me even, let me scratch that from the record. Cause this has nothing to do with diversity and inclusion. This has everything to do with relationships and, you know, peer to peer, uh, subordinate to boss, leader, manager. This is just that. So forget diversity and inclusion. People struggle with polarized relationships. Yeah. I mean, you know, just, and this is a great article from the Harvard Business Review that found in uh, 2021, a survey found that conflict is uh, an inescapable part of of work life for employees at every level. I think we all know that. Um, With 89% of the U.S. respondents from a ton of different companies and industries reporting, experiencing it to some degree. And the article even went on to say that People reported spending up to four hours a week managing avoiding. or avoiding as their way of managing con- con- conflict yeah, in their workplace. Yeah, and I want to stop there for a moment because, like, I think about some of my clients. You know, some of the clients that I work with, and and I two of them come to mind right now, and 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 I know in their culture, like it's almost taught in the culture. It's a tacit understanding in the culture. We are not going to give negative feedback. We're not going to be confrontational. We're not going to hard charge on some of these um, offensive uh, interactions, if you will. Is there a way for us to smooth them over without them blowing up? I I have two clients right now um, where, where that is 
That is their issue. And, and I'm trying to coach both of them. Like, it's okay for you to have friction. You address the friction and you keep yeah. moving. Are, are, do you do you find that to be an issue in the work that you are doing over at Disability Solutions where folks are afraid to to say the word disability? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Why do you think we have all these like handicapable capabilities groups? I've never heard that. (laughs) I've never heard that phrase. Handicapable. Yes. Yeah. It's more of an old school one, but, you know, differing abilities, different abilities. Like people are just like, you know, I always say like, if I was black, you would just say I was black just say the damn word it's not like a big scary thing but people feel that um a a lot and i mean just even if we can't have the conversations that are non-dei related right about why you didn't get something done why you pissed me off why you did this why you did that um how can we expect that our leaders are going to be able to have really tough conversations that involve Huge parts so, of So, you know, um, that was one of the things that was really a learning for me when you and I started recording. One of the phrases that I would say often, and I had to break myself from saying it, I don't think I've said it now in a little more than a year, but it took some time for me. That phrase was differently abled. And I never knew, I never understood why it would be heard as being offensive. Like, well, why am I different? So now, you know what What clicked for me? You, you would share it every once in a while, but the othering that we do. So I connected differently yep. abled with othering people. And I was like, that's it. That's why we don't say yep. differently abled. That's why we don't say some of these other phrases. So how do you all like, how do you address that? You know, Julie, when you when you are with uh, let's just kind of take it to the the sales team for a moment. You know, they may be reaching out to a client who who has no disability program or solution in place uh, as it relates to hiring, let alone promotion. How might you all maybe what's one thing that you all might do to help them kind of get comfortable with saying the word disability or people with disabilities addressing the community. Yeah. I mean, the, the very best thing we can do and the very best thing leaders can do in this situation um, and even overarching is just to model the behavior. We tell our stories. We talk about our community. We give tons of education. I mean, honestly, if I'm sitting in front of a group of, of people who make hiring decisions, like I'm going to tell my story every single time because it starts to normalize. And I think the reason that people avoid talking about disability a lot of times is because they're uncomfortable and they don't want to muck it up. They, they don't want to do it wrong. And so rather than just addressing the disability in the room, uh, they just pretend that it doesn't exist. And that's the that's the very best practice is modeling um, behavior that's not afraid to recognize people. Yeah. So the article that uh, Julie mentioned is titled Managing a Polarized Workforce, 
How to Foster Debate and Promote Trust by Julia A. Minson and Francesca Gino. Uh, it comes from the magazine. It's probably going to come out later this month. It says it's the March, April 2022 issue. So I know it's going to come out sometime over the next several weeks. And what I really liked about the article, and Julia, you're right, it was a good article. Uh, but what I really liked is that they didn't just highlight the problem. They actually, um, they, they addressed some of the myths. And, and one of the myths that they put out was people who disagree with us do so because they are uninformed or unintelligent. And I really, really, really had to pause on that because, you know, oftentimes when we get in these polarized situations, I think politics, I think race, I think some of the social injustices that have, you know, come up. I, I think about our conversations we've had around apolitical organizations. You know, I think to myself, like, you got to be smarter than that. I I'll say that to myself. Like, if I'm in a debate with someone, and they're they're really planting their flag heavy on this topic. You got to be smarter than that. So, so the myth is it's not that these people are uninformed and it's not that they're unintelligent. They actually are quite informed and in many ways quite intelligent. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's the easiest thing to and this is something I've really struggled with uh, is especially when it, it comes to the politics, right? If we're talking about like work disagreements, I can do education I can manage those. But when it comes to things that are heated, right. To not just go like, you just must be fucking stupid is hard for me. And it's something that, you know, over the last six months or so I've really been working on. And, and even though I would even take that just a step further torn and say that, it's also trying to always assume positive intent. Um, and, and that's not always possible, right? But at least if I go into the conversation thinking positive intent, they're not coming to me from a place of attack or, you know, whatever it is at that moment. Um, and I find that that helps a lot. But when it's really heated, that's probably the hardest time to uh, to bust myth number yeah. one in our myth actions. number two was disagreement will make people defensive and myth number three in the article uh was that disagreement is bad most of us think of conflict as negative and go to great lengths to avoid it which is what we've talked about but then the article kind of ended on a note of listen this is how this is how we can work through. And I want to just share something that said, it says there is much research suggesting that disagreement when managed well, gets greater results than avoidance does. It can spur better ideas, creativity, and innovation, helping businesses gain a competitive edge. The operative word is when managed well. Exactly. And it goes on to say, although people generally approach disagreements hoping to persuade, which is what I usually do, the other side, it's more helpful to adopt the goal of learning and to assume that our partners in that conflict are Again, also managing a polarized workforce, Harvard Business Review, we encourage you to give it a read. Now, um, I'm wondering. You get the luxury of working from home for the most part. You, you did go into an office. You know what? Forget the working from home thing. No, 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 no. We can't forget that. We, we got to be honest here. Um, 
I'm just going to put it out there. I I know your uh, director, director, director might be listening. Do you take naps when you're working throughout the workday? Let me let me make sure I got you on camera because I want to see this. Um, So, no, I don't. And it's not because I I don't want to because I I definitely want to. but I'm not a person who can take a nap and then get back up. Like once I'm out, I'm out. I'm going to bed. See you tomorrow. I don't care if it's noon. The next four to eight hours yeah, are you're just done. Mine. You're done. What about uh, you? Let me just say I don't because I'm like you. If I if I do that like like five minute power nap thing, it kind of messes with my flow. And I feel like you know when I do that. Now I will say this: I might take I might take a late morning start. So when I drop the king off at school, when I get back to the house, I may I may um, decide to lay down for another 30 minutes or an hour before I take my first meeting. But it's hard for me in the middle of the day to take a nap. And the reason I ask that question is because Fast Company actually put out an article earlier this month. It says our naps coming back with us to the office and given all that we are experiencing <laughs> You know, in these conversations around the great resignation, the great reset, um, how we look at the new normal. I I just wonder how many people are are finding some degree of affinity in this fun article over on Fast Company. But they actually put, you know, some research in there that says that it could be a good thing for us to do. I'm just not a person who can do that. Yeah. Uh, You know, Joel Cheeseman of of the Chat and Cheese podcast. He is a napper. Um, he naps every day. He does like the 15 minute power nap, like literally, and then he's back and he's refreshed and it's, he's a guy who's worked for himself or worked from home for a long time. And so he built that into his routine. Um, I, I found, I thought the article was kind of funny. It's like, I can't just, I can't imagine going into my office and even if they had sleep pods, like they do at Facebook, yeah. Google, wherever, um, and going in there and not thinking the whole time that someone watched me come in and someone's timing how long till I come out. It would be impossible exactly, for me to Exactly. Relax. Exactly. You know, maybe, maybe this is one of the things that we can do when we are over in London together, this July, uh, there's a uh, London-based consulting group called Pro Nappers. They were actually founded in 2020, uh, and they go around and illustrate to businesses businesses how napping can be beneficial. Maybe we can reach out to them and see if we can get them to come sit and talk to us when we are at Wreckfest, which we'll talk to you all about in a couple of weeks. But Julie and I are about to be in the same place, same time, same energy. Man, what? 2019 we killed them it was so much fun fun. being in so many different places so let's see if we can get the london nappers to come Mm. out to wreckfest in july of 2020 what do you think uh i'm 100 in all right in a flash perhaps your job is stressful you can learn about one man who quit at 38 and went from a law firm to being a lifeguard law firm to lifeguard stories over on business insider and the New York times staff members walked every street in Chinatown to see the bilingual signs that still exist. And they recorded ones that have been replaced. Now, why that's important, find the story and give it a read over at the New York times. And while there, learn about Cynthia Choi, 
a San Fran activist combating anti-Asian hate. And this week, this week, this one, this is the week that we mark the tragic one-year anniversary of the Atlanta spa shootings wherein eight people, six of Asian descent, were killed. Remember, it's not enough to put up pretty posts, slick marketing messages, and perform social media takeovers. You have to really do the work. And while at it, know that substance also means more than fancy job titles. Speaking of which, Brain Food Live, episode 147, will discuss optimum times to drop job postings later this week. It's a must-watch for anyone who wants to increase applicant flow. It happens on Friday the 18th. Head over to Recruiting Brain Food on Twitter. And the jury is still out. Humanity is what's on trial. Do your part to help them return with a we are going to be all right verdict. Quick break. Julie and I will be right back. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube. All right. So I know that uh, on everyone's minds uh, a lot right now, we, we keep kind of going from crisis to crisis um, in our adult lives in this country right now. And a lot of us are thinking about uh, Ukraine and, and the war there and um, the, the, yeah, the, the refugee crisis. Um, you know, as of I think earlier this week, there were at least 2.3 million Ukrainians who have um, fled their homes, their lives, um, a very beautiful and cosmopolitan city and in, in Kiev. And a, a lot of young families have been separated as young men go off to fight uh, so that their wives and children can return to those those loved ones um you know and and we see that right on the news you see lots of women and children and elderly people um you know running for their lives and, and rightly so and it's horrifying and you know what i've learned over the last you know few years of of doing this work and being a part of this community in a way that i hadn't thought of before and i don't think a lot of other people have is that there's another group that is often left behind and unplanned for in humanitarian disasters like this, whether it's war or natural disasters. And, and it's people with disabilities who are often completely um, unplanned for. I, I think that's the best way that I can say it. And, you know, Ukraine is, is just another great example and we want to bring you guys some awareness, right? Because I didn't mean to cut ahead. you off, but I just, I, I you know, I, I think about that and I say to myself, you know, but why? You know, and, and this yeah. right here is extreme. It's war. It's extreme. I, I think about, you know, natural disasters and people always say or, or often say, Julie, why don't they just leave? Well, but 
you may not have access to a vehicle. You may not have resources to, you know, put gas in a vehicle. You may not have family in another place. You may not have a credit card to be able to check into a hotel. If you were to go to another city, there are so many reasons why a person can't just leave during a natural disaster. Here we are, war. And the question to me is, let me see if I can form this the right way. Was it on the Ukrainian government to say, we know that this is about to happen. Let's put provisions in place for all of these various audiences, our people, our people collectively. Who should answer that question? No, I, I mean, it's a great question. And I think it goes back to the heart of why does this happen? And, you know, I think Ukraine is an example that is unusual, but not so much of an outlier that it it can't give our listeners a realistic perspective of whether it is a war, a ground invasion, a, a hurricane, an earthquake, whatever it is, is that the people in power, and in this case, let's set, let's start with the Ukrainian government, um, did not fully account for how to evacuate all types of people, including potentially the most vulnerable people, which are people with disabilities. Um, but as you said, and I think Ukraine is still an example of this, is sometimes people can't get out before a disaster strikes. They can't get out for whatever reason. Um, and that then comes to aid organizations like the Red Cross, like the Salvation Army, like, um, you know, all of those organizations that go in and they do disaster relief as a core function of their organization. And at the core function of those organizations, proactive planning on getting people with disabilities out and prioritizing that evacuation doesn't happen. Yeah. And again, you have to ask yourself why they've been at this for far. Is it, is it, is it an expense issue? Is it a, um, I'll use the word accommodations for lack of a better term. So for instance, if I have, a hundred people in my nursing home, or I have a thousand people in my zip code or in my community that are in wheelchairs. Are, Are we saying that as a relief organization, we have not thought about transportation and where we could place a hundred people in wheelchairs within a 50 mile radius, a 100 mile radius. Is that what you're saying? Because that's what it sounds like you're saying to me. Yes, that's what I'm saying is after what, 50, 75 years of of the um, Red Cross and, and Salvation Army doing this work is that they still do not prioritize people with disabilities to get out. And when I say don't prioritize, they also just don't plan for Right. So it's not that I'm asking for us to be the first in line, 
just asking us to be in line. Yeah. And so it continues, you know, we saw a lot of this in, in COVID. We saw a lot of this in the way that the CDC director spoke about people who continue to die from COVID is it's like the othering, right? Well, those people, they, they don't really matter because they're not really fully human if I go that far. And I think that the only thing that the community can take away from um, 75 years of disasters of not being included in the plan is that these organizations have decided that we we don't matter. You know, I just I'm sitting here shaking my head right now as I'm listening to you, because, again, we started this with Ukraine and we're going to go back to Ukraine, you know, but I think about, you know, all of the technologies that we have that allow us to live, work and play that allow us to you know, to just be. I, I think about how we've brought brought these platform companies in to our lives, and they, in 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 many ways, Jay, are they're central to so much of what we do. Platform companies are central to so much of what we do. Where's that solution? Like to me, it just it really seems like as I'm talking to you that it should be there. Like we should have an app. Remember, it wasn't you and I. It was on Sirius XM. I can't remember the guy. He had an app that listed like all of the places so that as a person with a disability, particularly in a wheelchair or some other, you could plan a night out. I cannot remember the name of his app. Um, mm-hmm. And all of it happened because he had a motorbike accident, broke his neck. That needs to be celebrated. And and we need more of that. Like yeah. we people with a disability should be able to hit a button. Everything gets activated. Like the plan is already in place because it's been so well thought out. But hearing you talk about that, but let's take it back to Ukraine. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, it, and it's, you know, the other piece, and you're absolutely right, is just the non, it's the lack of prioritization. I don't think it has anything to do with lack of funding. Um, because there are plenty of boots on the ground, right, who support people with disabilities who should A, be proactively planning for these types of things, um, but B, could mobilize much more quickly than maybe a, a Red Cross or someone like that could if they had the funds to do so. And there's always a lack of funding. So even just that prioritization and thoughtfulness on, okay, we know that if there is a disaster, these organizations who are the boots on the ground are going to help us do this because we, the Red Cross, don't have the infrastructure to make it happen in a um, in an effective way. And so, you know, the the Independent, which is a newspaper out of the UK, uh, had a story a couple days ago that disability rights activists see. Um, those living with cognitive and learning disabilities, so think autism, Down syndrome, um, intellectual disabilities, many who live in like residential programs and, and maybe neighborhoods, um, are not able are not currently able to evacuate. Right, and I'm not even I'm not even talking about people with physical disabilities. Right, I'm talking about people with cognitive disabilities um, who are unable to get out of the country because they have not been planned for accordingly, right? And that to me is just a human issue. If you can take your two feet and walk out, that makes it a lot easier to get you out. 
right? The, the other pieces are more challenging and we have to plan for those. But at this point, um, disability rights advocates are seeing a huge um, sort of black hole on information about um, people who are in those types of, of facilities being Dream able to get with out me of for country. just a second. Just a second, quick second. Um, imagine activating that button or platform, and now your robot, your surrogate, shows up, and everything is just taken care of. Just imagine a platform that has that type of, of power. Okay, keep going. Uh, let's keep rolling. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... What we can do with human innovation is incredible. We just have to choose to do it. And, uh, and one organization is, is starting to come to that place. Um, an article about the Kingsman, um, which was originally formed from another group in 2005 who traditionally been focused on human trafficking and kidnap recovery, so kind of like a security organization, um, are focused on helping recover and rescue adults and children with disabilities out of the Ukraine, uh, which is incredible. Um, so their executive director, Michael Evans, um, said, you know, in this campaign, the Kingsman is more acting like the Red Cross. It's we aren't working for a government. We're not picking sides. We're not involved. It's like, hey, you need rescued. You're on the list. We're going to get you out of that war zone. No questions asked. And the really incredible piece of how we got to this story is the work of, of Tina Marie Duff, who you remember from All Wheels Up, is also on the um, board of directors for Bender, um, brought this group together to make this happen. Let's, let's hear, from, uh, hear from them directly. Thank you, Crazy and the King, for shining a light on the two million people with disabilities living in the community, in institutions, and in orphanages in Ukraine. They are in need of our support. Too often, people with disabilities are left behind in times of crisis. Organizations that are going in don't always have the capabilities to support the unique needs of the community. And we all have an opportunity right now to show our way of supporting, whether it's creating awareness on social media or financial giving, and focus on organizations that we know are supporting the disability community. I'm really happy to be working with some of these organizations, including my colleague Brian, who represents a network of veterans who are on the ground. And Brian is from Kingsman Philanthropic and going to share with all of you what him and the team are also doing. And let me tell you what I really, really appreciate. And you, you, again, you said it. I just want to echo it. This isn't about picking sides. This isn't about our only going in to rescue folks from the Ukraine because we are supporting the, the Ukraine. We are going in to support people who have no access and no support. They need us to come in. Like I, I looked at a tweet earlier in the week and it was from another community. Um, a transgender man got out because they dressed like a woman. 
and was able to get out, was able to get to the border, lie about losing their uh, identity and all uh, credentials and all of that. There are so many communities that need to get out that don't want to be um, in the hail of gunfire and bombs and, you know, all of the other things that are happening. So I appreciate what Michael said around, look, we're not trying to pick sides. We're just simply trying to make sure we get folks out and, and we can help in that effort. Like they, they want, and I'm going to do it. They, they need donations. And, and I know you have a link for us. So you can donate to World Institute on Disability. You can text WID to 20222. Again, text the three letters WID to the number 20222 for a $10 donation. Or you can text the word WORLD, W-O-R-L-D, to the number 20222 for a $25 donation. Like they've made it very easy. If you text the three letters, W-I-D, then it's a $10 donation. If you text the word world, W-O-R-L-D, to 20222, it's a $25 donation. We got it. Thank you. And so as you guys uh, give to WID and you give to the Kingsmen, we also, um, as, as Torin mentioned, I, we've got big smiles on our faces and, and I see some energy in my, uh, my pod partner this week that I haven't seen in a little bit um, because he's feeling pretty all right this week. I am. I mean, <laughs> I am. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, Julie and I, we try our best to center our conversations on each and every one of you, our listeners. And I know that we zigzag a bit, you know, getting there is ultimately a circuitous process. Vocally, we take you on highs and lows and we include some expletives and some of the stories are a bit negative. Others are funny, but we're really centering you in every single conversation. And like Julie said, I'm feeling all right. Like I feel real fresh right now. And the question that we have for each and every one of you is, well, what does all right look like? I mean, is it about creating a new vision for what you see as work-life balance? W- what does all right look like for you? Is it around redesigning your work experience? It could be about reimagining a better, different employee, employee, employer, employee relationship. I think all right for some people, Julie, is around shifting the balance of power or maybe decentering patriarchy, othering, and privilege. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone has a whole new set of values and focus in their life, or at least priorities, um, and understanding how important those priorities are to make happen because we don't know when that's going to change. And, you know, for me, and I think for you, that means getting back out on the road and getting back up on stages and changing the minds of, of what people think about our communities and what they think that they can do. Um, and for some of us, it's simply just accepting that, we need to have a better work-life balance and a better work-life balance is not something that lessens you, but actually makes you more complete and more whole and accepting that that's okay. We can't do everything. That's right. And this week I am in Vegas for the HR transform event. And I'm excited about such. I thank, thank, thank Samara Jeffy 
for uh, having me out. You know, I had the opportunity to MC an innovation stage where we looked at uh, five uh, entrepreneurs that are starting good businesses in the HR tech space. Really, really, really excited about some of them. I'm just going to mention Angel St. John. I'm going to keep it moving from there, but uh, I just want you all to look at what she and her team are doing. And She's a hometown hero. She's from Baltimore, but Angel St. John was out in Vegas along with some other incredible, incredible folks. And then I had the opportunity to sit with Pixar's uh, chief people officer and talk about a good conversation. We talked about storytelling and how it impacts leadership. So, yes, I am feeling all right. And we want you to answer the question as to how you are feeling all right. Consider dropping us a tweet. Shoot us one of those messages over on Facebook or LinkedIn and don't hesitate to, you know, hashtag us a little bit. I mean, you know, my one of my daughters teases me. She says, you know, you are such a boomer when you put a hashtag inside of a text message. And I do it all the time. I do that shit all the time just to make her mad. I'll throw a hashtag in every text message just to make her mad. So she'll call me a boomer. But hashtag us, C-A-T-K or Crazy and the King. We want to hear from you. We want to know. What makes you feel all right? Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So listen, Her Voice is a segment where we amplify women making moves. So Julie, why don't you take the first one? We're gonna start with Yoko Spirig, co-founder of Leggy, where they believe democratizing company ownership can be the difference between short-term growth and truly enduring success. Their inaugural State of Equity and Ownership report for 2022 is out. Uh, read it if you're contempl- contemplating doing a money raise or sharing equity with your employees. Absolutely. Anita Butler has been promoted to head of consumer design. One of her shared goals is fixing an age-old problem with Twitter. The fact that most people come to the service and don't post. So shout out to Anita Butler, who is working with Twitter, recently promoted to head of consumer design. And you want to take the last one or you want me to rock it? Oh, I got it. Uh, We got CEO Karen Lynch, who oversaw a sexual harassment investigation, which led to the firing of a manager and the departure of multiple senior executives who had supervised that manager. The company will now overhaul how it handles sexual misconduct allegations. Thank you, Karen. And let me for tell leading. you why we put that in there. You know, for some of you, you might say to yourself, well, you all normally are highlighting women that are being promoted or they're starting new projects or they've raised money. Why would you highlight the CEO who oversaw sexual misconduct allegations? That's why. 
because she stepped in and saw it being important enough that she wanted to be a part of the process, finding the data, finding a resolution, and then saying, we're going to do something different moving forward. Love that she did not hesitate to pull that trigger and get some folks out of there that were toxic and damaging to the environment. So shout out to you, Miss CEO Karen Lynch over at CVS. Ah, our quote, rock that for us, Jay. Yep. Companies with higher ethnic diversity are more likely to be industry average financial returns. Greater acceptance of LGBTQ plus individuals is linked to gains in national wealth and underemployment of the disability community has a knock on effect for families, society and our GDP. That's Bank of America Global Research. Absolutely. I don't have any resources this week. I just want everyone to, you know, end the week on an extremely strong and positive note and make sure you go into the weekend finding some joy. Find some joy in the weekend. You got a name drop? Uh, Yeah, I just want to, again, reiterate the amazing work that Tina Marie Duff has done to bring together this group of individuals who are saving people's lives uh, in the Ukraine. They have already evacuated and saved, I think, at least a dozen uh, human lives. And for all of the work that she does every single day for our community, trust me, it is not lost on us. and, And she deserves that name drop every day. Shout out to you, Tina Marie. I close reminding each and every one of you. Actually, Julie and I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to find your voice. Be a better human. Let's create better culture, better teams, and better workplaces. For now, Jay and I are ghost. See ya. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.